Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butcher's Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cookinpellets.com pellets.com to buy your pellets right now also by the chops power injector forget about using one needle to inject your meats the chops power injector system has four needles for your injecting pleasure you can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com that's b-a-r-b-e-q-u-e kansascity.com and by the sam's club national barbecue tour you can visit kcbs.us slash sam's tour for results to register your team or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com slash shop. This is Maddie Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday if you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. It's a phone call, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you would like to. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13, eh, 12 minutes from now. A guy who makes grandiose appearances here on this show, attracts a wide-sweeping audience, seen as a beacon of what to do, what not to do when it comes to competition barbecue, a former KCBS Team of the Year in 2009, runner-up in 2010, and a friend of this show. 
The pitmaster of Pellet Envy, Rod Gray, will be making a return to the show. And tonight, we are going to get hot and heavy with all things sponsorship-related. I get a small, let's say, smattering of emails during the course of a week saying, hey, how do I go getting sponsors? What's the secret about getting sponsors? I want to get sponsors for my team. Can you put me in contact with such and such a company? Rod Fields, way more of the same emails that I get. And I'm not a competition team, so he'd be able to talk way more expertly on that particular subject. We've dedicated a next segment and the segment after that to really delve into that because uh, people want to know all about it. I think we can all agree on one thing. Barbecue is not getting less expensive to do. And if you want to be really good at it, and certainly keeping up with the Joneses is a portion of that, but there are some really good products out there that cost, you know, some change. And if you feel like you need that to be most competitive, and you want to try and offset those costs, sponsorship is an avenue you want to take a look at. Or rob a bank. Have all the money you want. Rod Gray will talk about sponsorship. It's going to be great. You're going to want to tune in and tell everybody about it. Then in the second hour, we are going to be joined by fourth Tuesday of the month regular guest, He is the official grill and smoker reviewer for AmazingRibs.com. He has a catchy little nickname called the Keeper of the Flame. Max Good rejoins the show. I think we actually lost him last month. I might have fell victim to something that I don't recall right off the top of my head. Did I have a technical? Was I out of town? I I don't remember. I don't think we got him last month, but he's back in at 1014. And then helping me close out the show, a normal... Monthly contributor to the show, the Barbecue Central Show's official sauce and rub reviewer, Scott Roberts from scottrobertsweb.com, will be joining us. And I think as we lead in to his segment, we're going to be watching a video. I posted it on my Facebook page maybe a month, month and a half ago. I, from time to time, will ask Scott because he is a fiery foods expert. Well-known, well-respected expert in that industry, in that segment. And I'm always like, hey, if you eat X pepper, what can one expect to happen to them, you know, in those first handful of seconds, minutes, and so forth? And he goes on to explain stomach cramping, explosive diarrhea, flaming of the anus later on, praying for ice cream, if you know what I mean. Physical sweating, mouth hurting, blisters maybe, skin sloughing off, you name it. The list is extensive and far-reaching. But I found a video that really gives you quite a first-hand account of what it's like to eat that, uh, I forget what it's called, the Charlotte Red Pepper or the, whatever, the, the Reaper Pepper. 2 million Scoville units or 200 million Scoville, whatever. Really hot. So stay tuned for that at the top of Scott's segment. We're going to watch it together. It's about a minute video. I actually saw the undoctored clip 
which is about four minutes. It's even worse than the minute. The minute clip is both scary and hilarious all at the same time. The four-minute clip is troubling. By and large, troubling. Some funny stuff, but when it goes really wrong about three minutes in, then it's a little scary to watch. So I give you the abridged one-minute version because we have way more important things to talk about, Scott, with than watching a couple of hot chicks throw peppers down their gullets only to their extreme chagrin, which we will all take delight and fun in watching in about an hour from now or hour and 20 minutes. So there you have it. Rod Gray coming up here shortly. Max Good at 1014. Scott Roberts, 1035. You want to jump in? Let's have it. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show. You'd recall last week and uh, through the newsletter and through a read here from pitbarrelcooker.com, they had a huge blowout giveaway. It was like their first initial attempt or dip into the proverbial getting a bunch of partners to do a great giveaway together, retailing at almost 1400 bucks. You got the cooker, you got Snake River Farm stuff, uh, you got cookbooks from Stephen Reichland and Meathead. A bunch of other stuff as well that I just can't recall right off the top of my head. But a substantial prize package. I believe there was a Snake River Farms $200 gift certificate in there. Good stuff. Really good stuff. They got a lot of great entry, like raw figures in there. And lo and behold, after September 25th came and went, the deadline was midnight, September 25th. Some lucky rat by the name of Joseph Price from Monroe, North Carolina, won it all. Congratulations, Joseph. You did it. He gets the free pit barrel, all the accoutrement, $200 gift cert from Snake River Farms, the books, you name it. Huge prize package from Pit Barrel Cooker. I'm actually fishing for a segment after he gets everything, tries it out. I would love a first-hand, uh, first-hand account and do a little short side segment with Joseph, so... Joseph Price from Monroe, North Carolina. Congratulations to you on the big win. That's a big take. You got to file taxes for that because it was such a big take? Maybe like $10,000. A couple weeks ago and a week after that or a week before that, a week before that, I was really giving it to Todd from Bark Brothers calling for an all-out ban on Bark Brothers Limited LLC company. S-Corp, you name it. And now I am calling off the worldwide boycott of Bark Brothers, although he did mention that these shoes were a little tight on his feet, which I said right up front, if you want these shoes, I ordered an 11 because I wear a true 11, and they felt like 10, so I went up to a 12. I think they run about a size short, just from my experience. So, Todd, if you want to give them to someone else who would actually fit in them, Again, more of a 10. Do the good karma thing. Make that happen. Put them up. Get them out. Let somebody who will wear them comfortably go ahead and take care of that because they don't go with every outfit. I get it. You know, I wore my shoes at least three or four times over the last month or so. And again, they don't go with every outfit. But some they do. And most people didn't even really notice that I had them on. If you can believe it, some people did. I got a few questions and compliments, but in the end, when sized correctly, very comfortable shoes. Good job from Soul Kicks. Appreciate that. 
Of course, I continue to get quite a bit of email about my ranting and raving and recounting of the rib contest that I took play uh, that I took part in in Hartville, Ohio, a couple weeks ago, and how just from one category event, I have indefinitely sworn off any potential rise at a real competition. Aside from the fact that there's no way I could handle three additional meets, the scoring was really... I I have my scorecard. It's right up here. I look at it every day just so I can remain patently insane. Rod Gray coming up out of the uh, the break. Let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. The Barbecue Guru Gang, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cooker, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why are you going to buy from anybody else if you're not familiar with how they work? Imagine a product that allows you to set a pit temperature and one set keeps it at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology today because maybe... Like me, you're a busy working professional. Or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids, you're doing errands. You don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. The Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, or a couple slabs of ribs. You're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the Barbecue Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. There are currently four different models to choose from, or so, four or so. CyberQ Wi-Fi for the technologically inclined. You want to pair it up to your smart device of some sort, you can do that. You can run two cookers off of the CyberQ Wi-Fi. You can take internal temperatures of meat. You never have to get out of bed to make any pit temperature control adjustment. The only thing you have to do is get out of bed and take it off. Can't do that. Then you have the Party Q at about 140 bucks or so. You have a self-contained unit. It runs on AA batteries. Easiest point of entry into the automatic pit temperature control device market. If you're looking for a cooker... The Onyx Oven is continually on sale, doing well on the competition circuit still and in the backyards. It accommodates the half and full pans for food service, working seamlessly with any barbecue guru pit temperature control device. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU, and they'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Once again, the website, thebbqguru.com, or call 800-288-GURU, 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we're back with Rod Gray and Sponsorship Talk in just a few seconds. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. 
This segment being brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, 500000 in cash, eternal bragging rights. If you win the whole damn thing, this weekend is the coup de grace. The 2016 Sam's Club Barbecue Tour wraps up at the national finals in Bentonville, Arkansas, this coming weekend. 50 teams are locked and loaded. Who wins the money? Who wins the bragging rights? Who knows? I can tell you what. We've been talking about it for like the last six months or so. You can find out the results at kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. If you're not going to see it anywhere else, I'm told you, I mean, you know it's going to be everywhere. Another partnership with Sam's Club ends, uh, and another great one. All right. In 2009, my first guest won the KCBS Team of the Year, capping off an incredible run that saw the title come down to the final contest in Arizona that season, pitting him against the likes of Darren Worth from Iowa Smokey D, Steve Farron of I Smell Smoke, to crown the winner. He's also been on and won Barbecue Pitmasters, continues to compete on the barbecue circuit today. Tonight, as promised, we go in-depth on sponsorship. How does a team go about gaining some? How do you sell yourself? Where do you start? Who knows? Let's go ahead and head over to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show and the Pitmaster of the Pellet Envy Competition cooking team, Rod Gray, joining me here on the show. Rod, how are you, buddy? Living the dream, Greg. I'm living the dream. All right, perfect. All right, so I, uh, right off the bat, don't have you on my screen here, but that'll only take one second. There we go. But you hear me, right? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. No problem there. So uh, we're all set to go. Uh, So let's run, if we could, I mentioned it right in the top there, Rod, if we can run back quickly to that 2009 year you win team of the year, but also second in chicken, sixth in ribs, ninth in pork, win the brisket category, seven years removed, and I, I guess by and large your best competition season to date. How do you look back on that year as a whole? Well, obviously I look back on that fondly. I mean, it, it was a, a dream year for us. I, I thought we did a, we had a great run. We honestly thought we had it tied up by the end of September, and we go to this contest after the Jack in Talladega, and one of my good friends, Steve Farron, up and wins it, and all of a sudden I realize he's within striking distance. So I ask him if he's going to go for it, and he says yes, not to mention Darren Worth, who just today said that he didn't give a crap about Team of the Year, but that's an interesting thing to say considering how hard he, he runs for it. So Darren and I will discuss that amongst ourselves later, but... No, 09 was a was a magical year for us, and it's something I'll never forget. And I think the best part of it was that we were we were three three people who were all friends, um, chasing that, and, uh, and 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 I'm glad nobody ran away with it. I mean, it came down to the very last contest. I didn't have to win it, but if one of those guys won it, then they were team of the year. They passed me, so we were lucky and won that last contest to kind of seal the seal the deal. Rod Gray joining me here on the show, uh, Rod. You aren't a team that, you know, right out of the gate was looking to be sponsored. You didn't start out sponsored, right? You just got into it because it looked fun, or you had attended some barbecue competition in the hellish heat, and you were like, hey, aside from the heat, this is pretty cool. Let's get into it. Well, so we started out in 01, and when we, we cooked with other people, and we did some judging, Sherry and I did some judging, and then in 02, it was actually three guys on a team, and our team name was Extreme Pork, actually, and went that whole year. Um, but we all had real jobs, and so it was it was our hobby. And no, we were looking to have fun. We weren't looking to be serious about it. It wasn't until until 2007 when I decided I would do this full time that I thought, "Wow, 
I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to have to make some money at it. And you can never count on, on uh, the money from your winnings. So, so you've got to find a way to generate some income. So we'd had quite a bit of success. So we offered up some classes and we went looking for some sponsorship and we've learned a lot about it along the way. A lot about it. And it's a subject many want to talk about uh, to some degree. Uh, obviously, some folks maybe that are in it a little bit more than others really want to pursue it to a high level degree. But I don't know how much information, aside from maybe getting a, a crude message board post or thread started, and that's why we're kind of talking about you actually pitched it to me. And I was like, you know what? I mean, for as much as we probably discuss it on a cursory sense, let's go ahead and really dig into it. So, you have the years that you have in the beginning, you decide you're really going to put forth the effort and go at it full time. How or what plan do you put in place to start this ball rolling? Was it small scale at first or were you looking to go big right out of the gate with some kind of like an all-inclusive number that had you expense free from Jump Street and then the opportunity to make money on top of that during the season? Actually, I had no idea. I was much like every team. And I want to I want to back up one quick step and then yep. I'll answer that question. Yep. The reason I pitched this to you is this is the second most asked question that I get. Obviously, number one is which pellet cooker should I buy? And they don't know I haven't cooked on pellets <laughs> since 2007, but that's okay. So the second most asked question I get is, hey, how do I either either how do I find a sponsor or how do I make the ask or you know how how do I ask them for a certain thing? It's a I get a lot of sponsorship questions probably because. Pellet Envy is, is arguably one of the, the most successful teams at, at, at finding and uh, attracting and, and retaining sponsors. Um, so, but like, like everybody who asked me in the beginning, I didn't know much about it, I'll be honest with you. Um, I have a marketing background, so I understand um, what we're talking about. In, in fact, I want to start this way. Let's not call it sponsorship. It, it's really a marketing partnership. Sponsorship is for Dale Earnhardt Jr., who is already famous, and, and whoever approaches him and wants to put their name on his car, he didn't have to do much for that, and he gets some money for it, and he gets some notoriety, and they do some promotion. This is not that. In barbecue, none of us, with the exception of a couple of guys, maybe from a guy from Georgia, and maybe a guy from Virginia, and maybe a couple others, but there aren't many of us that are famous enough to where they just pay us to associate with us. So this isn't a sponsorship deal. It's a marketing partnership. And what that means is there's work involved and a lot of it. But to answer your question in the beginning, I knew nothing about it, not a thing. Um, I kind of wrapped my head around the idea of if I were a company looking to sponsor a team, what would they be looking for from me in order to persuade me to get involved with them? And so from that, we put together a proposal. I didn't know where I was going to send it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And actually, the story goes that there was a company out of Georgia who was looking to sponsor three teams, a company called Grease Lightning. You know who that is. Sure. And, and one of the guys who had submitted for it was bragging about how he had submitted to a company who was looking for some teams to sponsor. And that, that ripple got all the way to me, and I thought, well, then I'll do it. So we submitted, and they took us. In fact, of the three teams we got the largest portion of the sponsorship and because of the way we handled ourselves throughout that year by year two they canceled the other two sponsorships and gave it all to us and and that's kind of what i want to talk about i want to talk about how hard work it is to get this done i want to talk about what you approach a company with um and and, and how you negotiate the whole thing when you 
went or or when you wrote your proposal to Grease Lightning, you know, in just in a in a business sense, I guess I'm surprised how unsavvy people are about putting together proposals or having a 30 60 90 plan even for like job interviews and like that's stuff that would set you apart from 99% of other people did you hear back from grease lightning on the other people that was it just like they sent in an application and you were able to differentiate yourself because not only did you apply but you had all of these other potential plans or action items that you wanted to set in place in order to help further both agendas during the season well, the first year, the first year with Grease Lightning was handled through a third party, which a lot of major companies do. They hire a third party to um, administrate something like this. So the first year was just a, hey, we're interested in you. Let's get to the nuts and bolts of what it's going to take for us to get together. And we worked through, you know, the list of things that was expected of me. And, and, and then we worked through what they were going to pay me because it was a cash deal. Um, it wasn't a product deal. You, I love Grease Lightning to death, but you can only use so much of it. Um, so I don't recall, the, but the second year when we actually, they, they eliminated the third party and I worked directly with a couple people at Grease Lightning. That was the year they came to us and said, listen, here's the deal. We'll be honest with you. You were the only team that did all the right things and provided us with the feedback and, and kept in communication with us. So we're going to, we're going to change our approach. We're going to throw all our money to you. And so I got not only our portion of the money, but but the other two people as well. And then and then we built on that for seven years. Grease Lightning sponsored us, um, and we did a lot with them. Did a lot with them. So, but, but so so let's talk about what I did. Can we do that? Greg? Yeah, let's go ahead. Okay. So I created a proposal, and somebody says, "Well, that's great. What's a proposal?" Think about what a company is looking for. Number one, don't call it a barbecue contest call it a festival because everybody knows what a festival is. It's a large group of people in a small area. That's what companies are looking for because ultimately, and I know this is an old school marketing term, but they're looking for impressions, meaning how many times their logo can be seen. And what's favorable about barbecue over some of the other things is the barbecue pitmaster, whoever that guy is, is sponsored by the team. He's accessible to everybody walking by. So you can talk to someone one-on-one -on -one about the product. Companies love that. All right. So, so you're, you're looking at calling it a festival. That's number one. Don't call it a barbecue contest. You know, the old school, there's a lot of old videos, old TV shows of barbecue contests where guys are drinking and partying. And let's call it a festival because that, that means people. All right. So we'll start there. Um, <clears throat> beyond that, you need to start to take into account some of the things that you do that you already do. You just need to put it all together for one. Create a contest schedule so you can so you can show a company where you're going that year. Another thing would be to calculate the miles that you drive to and from a contest. That can be a pretty impressive number. And quite honestly, if you're pulling a trailer that has their logo on the side of it, there's actually an online impressions generator calculator that will give you the number of impressions while you're on the highway. Um, at all the events you attend, ask them what their attendance was, whether it's projected attendance, which is always too high or their actual attendance from the previous year, which is really a better number. Although that, that, that projected attendance is always a nice number to give to the, to the company because that that's always a better number. When you're at the event, take pictures of your site, take pictures of the contest and especially take pictures of the crowd, get lots of great crowd shots, especially if they're in front of your, of your spot. Take pictures of your setup along with any branding, um, be able to speak in terms of, of some marketing terms like the word impressions, 
and and be knowledgeable about the company you're talking to. If you can do all those things and roll it into a, a proposal for them, you've already got their attention because you sound like you're there to help them and not there just to take their money. And I think that's an important thing. Rod, do you have any idea how many teams or if there are any teams that are fully sponsored by some kind of third party or business, uh, not a team that is self-funding through some kind of in-industry business like catering or they have a sauce and rub or, or whatever, but just a company or two that are fully footing the bill for a, a team? I think I hear rumors about one or two people, but they they have relationships with with uh, the company, for example, I think there's one guy whose brother basically sponsors him. I'm not sure it's a full ride. I don't know if I know anyone who gets a full ride in barbecue from one company or two companies. Um, I know we don't. We get uh, the lion's share of our of our funding from three sponsors, Yeti Coolers and Victorinox Knives and the Kansas City Barbecue Store. But still, on its own, it's not enough to be a full-time competition barbecue cook. There has to be other funds. So... I'm not sure. I'm going to come up with a name here or there, but I'm not sure I know anyone who's fully funded. All right. So after you get the proposal ready, you are you know taking the shots. You get your schedule down. You're tracking the mileage, all that good stuff. What are the next steps to take? Okay. So now you have their attention. Maybe you bring them to the table. So now it's the part of the negotiation where you need to find out what they want from you. And I will tell you that I've done this many times, and a lot of times they don't know what they want from you. They want to associate with you, but we need to lay out a list of specific things. So what you should do is then make this list of all the things potentially that you would do for them, everything. So whether it's wear branded clothing the entire time you're at an event to um, mention them in any any media opportunities to have it have their logo on the side of your trailer a specific size whether it be 15 square feet or whatever it is but you create this list if you make it available for special events if it's provide a function in your site at a mutually agreed upon contest but create this list of however many you want to create 15 or 20 events and that would be your ultimate your ultimate package and then Look through that list and take away one or two things, maybe three things, and create a list, create a, a lesser level, and then step down again, and then maybe step down one more time. So you have, say, four options, anything from the full package on down. And then you need to find a way to value that, put a price to it, um, because they're going to look at this biggest package, and they're going to want all those things, and maybe they're going to look at the price, and they're going to say, we, we can't do that. Let's look at the next one down. In the end, no matter how structured and rigid you make this thing with these different levels of sponsorship or marketing partnership, there's going to come down to a negotiation where they want to pick and choose some things from different ones and come up with a certain amount. And I will tell you this. Don't be discouraged by this, but most sponsorships start with a company offering to provide you product and product only. Um, it's an inexpensive way for them to get involved. And it doesn't, you know, even though the retail value could be, let's say, $5,000, it may cost them $1,500 or two grand to, to create whatever that, that retail of 5000 is. That's a cheap way for a company to get involved, an inexpensive way. And sometimes you have to start that way. You just do. And then you build on that. But what's important to, to convey to a company that you want to get involved with is, you know, you can't put product in your gas tank. It doesn't buy meat and it doesn't 
pay entry fees. So somewhere along the line, there's going to have to be some cash. And, well, and I think they understand that. There's expenses involved. Barbecue is expensive. And if we want to do this a bunch, there's going to have to be some money. When the so team that's is, how you create the ask part of the proposal. When the team is putting together those tiers of sponsorship, let's call it, how does the team make sure that they are properly valuing or uh, determining what their expenses are going to be in order to place those in the particular hierarchical asks? There is no way to do that. There's no specific way to come to those terms. Um, you could put numbers to the side of them and they could look cheap, but to the company, they might look expensive. There may become some negotiating saying, we want all these things, but we can't pay X number of dollars. Would you do it for this amount? And then it's up to you to make that decision, either counter offer it, tell them no, or, or accept it. There's a lot of that goes on. I mean, it, it's, and, and that same package, let's say they're looking at the top tier to one company that might look inexpensive to the next company. It might look pretty expensive. There's just no way to know. Every situation is is handled on an individual basis. A team is going to have to have a, a lot clearer vision for what their goals are as they're pitching to companies because some teams might want, let's say, $50,000 in cash, and another team might want rub. Right. That's exactly right. Um, and, and that's something that I battle, actually. You know, everybody wants to be sponsored because they think associating with a company makes them look successful. So there are a lot of guys who will do this just for rub or just do this just for product. But again, product doesn't put gas in the tank. Product doesn't pay entry fees. Product doesn't buy the meat. Um, so don't sell yourself too cheaply. You have to get started. And even with Grease Lightning, we got started. We got started with a pretty low dollar amount. I think it took us four years before we finally got to where it was a pretty significant dollar amount. Um, but we had to earn their trust. We had to show them how valuable we were to them. By the way, that's another point. When we get there, we're going to talk about what happens after you after you get the sponsorship deal done. Rod, how does a team go about, well, does a team need to have reached a certain level of success in order to be considered a prospect in a business's eyes to, to, to become a marketing partner? No, I don't think so. I think that being successful on the circuit opens a few doors, but I think you can be a hardworking, organized team that promotes a company well and, and have the same opportunity. I'll give you a great example. I've never heard of Historic Barbecue, or I'm sorry if I've just butchered their names, but they won a sponsorship with Smithfield at the KCBS banquet last year. I met those guys in Nashville, Tennessee in May, and those guys are hitting it out of the park for them. They do all the right things. Their site is perfect. It's inviting. It's, it's, it's branded up well. They go in their trailer and they shoot videos with Smithfield's logo on the inside of the trailer so that when they're shooting a video of each other, the logo's in the background on the inside of the trailer too. They do all the right things. And I'd never heard of them before I met them um, in Nashville in May. So I don't think so. I think if you can do all the right things, you don't have to be one of the heavy hitters in barbecue. You just have to you just have to present yourself well and handle yourself well. Rod Gray joining me from Pellet Envy. Rod, we're uh, at the first break right now, so when we come back, we'll uh, talk a little bit about maybe some dilemmas teams might face because they really want the partnership, but they don't understand what is involved, which I think kind of dovetails into the next part that you wanted to talk about as well. So uh, stand by. We'll have more with Rod Gray here in just a second. 
But first, let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. That's right. Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens. For barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you're a barbecue cook in the backyard or on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it is the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, a smoking and cooking 101 class, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on these social media platforms. The Instagrams, the Facebooks, the YouTubes, the Twitter, the Pinterest, Google+. Plus. What's that? Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champs because they were designed by a champion. Ed Fast Eddie Morin, the FEC 1000, I'm sorry, the FEC 100, and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and grill, low and slow, or hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being a top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit the website cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. All right. uh, We will continue with Rod Gray coming up out of the break, talking sponsorship. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. That's the way to get in touch with me. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills. Manufacturers, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. Something medium size, they can cover you there too. How about something to take on the tailgates? Football season at full swing, they got you covered there. GreenMountainGrills.com, the website. They can also supply you with pellets to fire those cookers. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You could love yours too. GreenMountainGrills.com. All right, we're talking with Rod Gray about uh, sponsorship or how to get sponsorship if you're a barbecue competition team. Look, we all know it's expensive, but how do you go about getting sponsorships and then keeping it? Probably more key than getting it originally, keeping it, of course. So, uh, Rod, let's go ahead and and continue. And here's the question, right? Is, Is there a potential moral struggle 
a team might need to face, for instance, let's say XYZ meat purveyor likes your potential or sees that you get out in front of a lot of different places across the country and wants to supply you with their meat. The problem is it's nothing you have ever thought about using. On top of that, the meat doesn't seem to score well at all for the folks that might have used it in the past. And now you're in this like unique vacillating position. You take the meat because it's free, and now you have other money to allot around the area when you wouldn't do that if the offer wasn't there or because that's what you were hoping for. You take the sponsorship of the meat and hope you can fashion some kind of award-winning barbecue out of it but you kind of don't believe in it either. So how does it how does uh how do you go about that? I mean, it's got to be a struggle, right? Well, it is. Uh, again, everybody wants to be sponsored. So so you see a deal like that and you feel compelled to take it, but if I, I can only answer for me and and my answer is no. I'm I'm not doing that deal and the reason I'm not doing it is if I can't look you in the eye and tell you that I use it and I love it then I don't really stand behind it and I shouldn't be promoting it. And I'm sorry, folks, if you think you can pull that off, you might be able to fool some of the people, but people will see right through that. I mean, I've heard stories about guys getting meat deals and not using that brand of product. So if I've heard it, other people have heard it. And in the end, it doesn't do you any good and it doesn't do this, do that marketing partner any good. So my advice is, is as badly as you want to be, as badly as you want to associate with somebody, it's not the deal for you. All sponsorships, not good sponsorships. Okay, so you land a sponsor or two or, or whatever you're hoping for, and now you're in the midst of a partnership relationship. So what do you do to kind of keep that relationship going, cultivate it so you can grow from one year to the next? Well, the answers are really basic and simple, and they're going to sound very simple, but they're so important. The number one is you communicate. You communicate with your with your marketing partnership. Um, tell them where you're going. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them why you laid out a weekend if they were expecting you to be somewhere. Um, tell them how you're provi- how you're providing services to them. Um, provide feedback. If it's when I got started with Grease Lightning, for example, every time I finished an event, I sat down at the computer and I wrote out a little one page. Really, it wasn't even a page, but I wrote out a little short summary of where I was, how I finished, which they didn't care how I finished, how many, what the estimated attendance was, how many miles I drove there, the positives, the negatives, and what I would do if I went back. So it'd be things like I asked for a high profile spot when I arrived. They didn't give me a high profile spot. Next year, I'll be more, more, if I go back, I'll be more thorough in asking to be somewhere where the crowds can see my trailer easily, for example. It really is as simple as that. But you have to put that time in. It may take you 10 minutes a week to do that. But that's the kind of stuff that will get you renewed and get you more money. So providing feedback to them is, is super important. Also, Greg, you want to say something? Go ahead. I was just going to say, do you think by and large, if a company is going to partner with you, they aren't really worried? I mean, certainly everybody wants to finish as well as they can, but are they more interested in the marketing aspect in the position that you're at wherever you are across the country? They're more, yeah, they're more, they're more interested in what you can do for their product than they are in how you finish. Now, granted, finishing well means the opportunity to speak to the media when sure. the event's over right. or get pictures with their logo in the picture that might make the newspaper or make social media or whatever. But 
ultimately it's about promoting their brand more than it is about winning the barbecue contest. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, provide that feedback, open line of communications here. Here's something that, that sounds so simple, but it's so important. Give more than you promise. And I'll give you an example of it. This is very simple. But when we create a proposal, we like to say that we will represent a company at 20 events per year, knowing full well that I'm going to cook probably 30 events, plus teach some classes, plus some special engagements. So then at the end of the year, when I do a summary of, of what we did for the company over the course of the year, traveled X number of miles, we saw we stood in front of this, this number of people at all these events combined. We generated this number of estimated impressions and, um, we represented them at, I'm going to say 32 events. They were expecting 20. We gave them 32. They feel good about that. They feel like they got not only their money's worth, but maybe they got a great deal and maybe they could, could pry loose a few more dollars for next year. Those are the kind of small things that make such a big difference, big difference. Have you ever thought or have you ever proposed a multi-year contract from somebody like right out of the gate? Or do you have to? Would you have to be well established in being a successful marketing partner in order to bring that to a prospective marketing partner's table? I tried it a few times, and I've never been successful with it personally. If you can pull that off, good for you, and it's a great way to go. But they want to actually see your performance over the course of a season before they renew you. Sometimes you're having a really good year in terms of what you're doing for them. Sometimes you'll get an early nod, say, you know, August or September, they'll say, you know what, I know we're going to renew you for next year. So you can, you can relax a little bit in terms of worrying about whether or not you're going to renew. But for the most part, it, it starts about October and they start working on their budgets and trying to figure out how they can afford you for next year and if they want to do something with you or not, which, which that's the, by the way, that's the golden rule. When you get paid, that's when the work begins. So many teams they get whatever they're going to get, whether it's cash or whether it's product. And as soon as they get it, they think they can coast. They think they've been paid and they can coast. They can, but then they often wonder why they never get renewed. You know, not only are we successful at garnering the marketing partnerships, but we're very successful at getting renewed at it. So in a, in a real-life scenario, Rod, if you can remember in 2009, 2010, you were runner-up uh, team of the year in KCBS as well for the folks who don't remember that. What kind of an expense outlay, you know, holding all the sponsorship and stuff, just raw number expense ballpark, did Pellet Envy have that year? Um, 09 is the year you want to talk about? Either 09, 010. I mean, you were, you know, running like crazy those two years. Well, here, here I can put it to you this way and we can try to do some math. But yep. when I cook a local contest, I figure my expenses are about $500. When I cook a an intermediate range contest like going to Nashville or going to Denver or even out a little further, I figure a contest is about a thousand dollars. And then when I get further than that, if I go to Florida or DC or Vegas or wherever, I figure a contest is fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. So if you look through your schedule and put those numbers next to them, you'll come up with a number. Now, the price of meat has escalated. We've become like NASCAR. We have to have the two hundred dollar briskets and we have to have the special overnighted frozen chicken and I don't do that, but we have to have all this stuff that's changed that a little bit, probably by a couple hundred dollars, I would guess. But uh, those are the numbers I used to use to kind of figure out what my season was going to cost me. Has the, the specialty stuff become so 
um, I don't want to say commonplace now, but you know where you didn't have it back then in in oh nine oh ten by and large, it was easier to just get cash. Where now, because there's a lot of specialty stuff, you'll take the product in lieu of cash to offset the cash you'd be laying out, not to be too redundant. It's not a bad way to go. You know, it's, it could save you several thousand dollars, but not cost that company so much money. Um, there are some, you know, if you garner a deal with one of these high-end brisket companies and figure out what it costs you in brisket a year, that might be a decent sponsorship in and of itself. You know, I, I don't like the idea of just product because again, you got to have the money to enter the contest. You got to have the money to get there and get home, but, but you've got to start somewhere. And if it knocks a big chunk off of your expense, it's probably not a bad way to go. Not a bad way to get your foot in the door. Not a bad way to show them what you can do for them. I totally agree. Do you think human nature wise, uh, and I'm certainly not going to paint with a broad stroke here over pitmasters across the country because I think there's obviously some very sharp ones. There's probably some that are in the middle, and there's probably some on the low end there. Do you think it's still innately uncomfortable for people to draft a proposal, sit down, and ask for people's money? Yeah, it is. It was for me. Um, you want to be self-sufficient, but if you if you want to be full-time in barbecue, or even if you don't want to be full-time, Barbecue is expensive, and if you can find a way to offset some of that, then it's it's worth a shot. You know, it's worth a shot. But it's it's more work than most people are willing to admit to themselves, and it's more work than a lot of people are willing to do. To be honest with you, and it does. It takes some fun away. You know, you can't fall down in the fire drunk on Friday night anymore because there's social media. By the way, social media is very important to the company these days. So. If they, if, if you submit to be to be a marketing partner with somebody, they go on your Facebook page and see a bunch of pictures of you being a dumbass. Your odds aren't very good. If if your team name is Ribs for Her Pleasure or <laughs> um, Meat Insider, the odds of you being sponsored by, or partnering with a company are not going to be very good. One of my major sponsors, I was just there visiting, and that conversation came up. And they have people all the time that send them a note, say, how do we get involved? And they tell them their team names. And they're like, there's no way I'm getting involved with a team name like that. I mean, you have to start from ground zero and shape your whole team in a way that you can promote it with a straight face and companies want to associate with you. So there's really a lot involved, truthfully, in garnering a successful marketing partnership. So for as much as we want to make competition barbecue it's all good times. It's all having fun, all this stuff. If you're going to go in and start wanting to get money and be corporate guy, you're going to have to be corporate guy all the way around. Yeah, you are. Sorry. You're just going to have, and so, so if you want to do it for fun, that's great. But if you, if you want to get some money out of it, you're going to have to, it, it becomes work. It becomes a business, honestly. And some guys do this to take their minds off of business. And I think that's great. But other guys are in this business and I'm, I'm one of those guys in the business. So when you started, when it wasn't the business, and now it is the business, when were you having more fun? It was more fun when it wasn't the business. I won't lie to you. You know, now we have to dot our I's and cross our T's. We have to do the right things. We have to think about if someone could drop by at any time. We have to real every time I make a Facebook post, Greg, I, before I hit the, the send button, I have to decide if one of my sponsors found this, even on my personal page, how would it look to them? And so you won't find me doing too many completely outlandish things in social media because that stuff never goes away. It never leaves. Someone could look that up and find you and say, I don't want to associate with this guy. Look at this. So it's, it's an important step and it, 
it makes things a little less fun. But you know what? I've decided is what I want to do for a living. Maybe uh, this could be the last question before we tie it up, uh, because we are talking about social media. Uh, I don't know if everybody's super savvy on it, but if you are lucky enough to get a marketing partnership, are there you know, steps and advice you give people when running a Facebook page and an Instagram page and a Twitter page to make sure that they don't pitfall themselves? Um, and build, really build the well, following and build you know, the, the, the traffic and all this redirect to the corporate sponsorships, all that other stuff. Well, all that stuff needs to be done. You know, I, most of the time I get a pretty specific question from folks. And if I get too generic question, I, I could type my fingers off trying to answer it. So, um, the questions I get, I try to narrow them down to being something more specific about if they're saying, Hey, did I leave money on the table? Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to ask for. You think there's a good combination and I'll try to answer that as honestly as I can and say, I think you're asking for too much or I think you're doing too little or, or I think you're leaving money on the table. I have a very good friend who called me and was excited because they garnered a sponsorship and, and we talked about the details and he made the ask and they accepted it like that. And I'm telling you right now, he (laughs) left money on the table, but he was happy with it. Um, so good for him. Uh, And that's probably, you know, where it needs to be at. If you think it's a good deal and the company thinks it's a good, it's like buying a car. If everybody thinks they got a good deal, Maybe you don't want to know the dirty secrets behind it. If you're happy, you're happy. And sometimes you just have to feel that way, honestly. You've got to let go of the fact that maybe I left money on the table, maybe I didn't, but it's what I asked for, it's what I got, and we're going to do this thing. And we'll if, if, it, if it turns out to be more effort than value, then we'll go back to the table next year. But we've got to make the best of it now because if we don't do it well, we won't get back to the table next year. So we are putting together a plan, a proposal, if you will, getting it out to potential. And you want to identify the people you want to partner with, too, and, and maybe not have the same avenues and not have the same runs to the people like, you know, the, the guy you're wearing on your hat. There. I mean, everybody sees Yeti around anymore. And there's there seems to be like that uh, stalwart group of people everybody wants to get sponsorship run, uh, from. So maybe you can whittle it down a couple tiers, get a couple more uh, partners, and do it that way versus just trying to go right at the top of Mount Rushmore. I agree with that completely. And you know what, guys? If you don't have a sponsor, I will tell you that going after the sponsors of people of other teams is probably not the best way to go about it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times Yeti gets a contact about sponsorship. They'll, They'll find you. A company like that that's already involved in barbecue, for the most part, they'll find you. Um, go find somebody like them. You know, and I see guys that are getting other cooler ships, cooler sponsorships, and good for them, but that's kind of the way to do it. Don't go, don't have an original idea. Go after somebody that's similar, or go after somebody for a product you already use and love and tell them why you use and love it, and tell them how it would be beneficial to be promoted in the barbecue arena. Um, that's the thing to do with it. Proposals, and then once you get the sponsorship, prepare to put in the work during the yes. season so you can get renewed season after season, hopefully. And communicate and keep keep your name in front of them with weekly or monthly or quarterly reports of what you're doing for them so they know where their money's going, so they feel good about what you're doing. Um, pitch them ideas. You know, Sherry and I pitched that idea where we were trading bottles of Grease Lightning, and we didn't know if they'd take it, and they loved it in the end. Um, we called it a, an amnesty program, and we had a great time with it there for a couple of years. It was great. Um, but you can you can pitch them ideas. Most of the time, they're going to say no, but once in a while, they might take it. But 
but get involved with them, you know, give them feedback, things like that. Tell them things you could use to hand out to teams that would keep their name in front of them. You can, you can actually be involved in it. Do what you say you're going to do, but perhaps go above and beyond, right? Yes. Above and beyond. You've always got to give more than you promised. Come on. You always have to make them feel like you are providing value. All right. So it does seem like, you know, we're, we're like business 101 here, but if you keep getting the same questions, we got to have a place where people can go listen to the great knowledge that is disseminated across the barbecue universe. And that's why Rod Gray and I are here for you people for crying out loud. What do we have to do? Spell it all out? Fine, we did that this time. Rod, I, I know that, Greg, I know folks are on here for the magic bullet for the secret of sponsorship. Yeah, I know, right? And, and the truth is, I just told you there is no secret and there is no magic bullet. It's hard work, it's being prepared, and it's being businesslike. And right. those are the things that will find you, get you, and keep you sponsorship. Where, uh, where are you going to be at competing next? Hey, you remember that every time I used to be on the show, I'd win the contest the, the week of or the week after? It's called the uh, Barbecue Central Show Karma. I'll be in Bentonville, Arkansas Uh-oh. at the Sam's Club Finals this Uh-oh. week. Ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, breaking news. Breaking news right here. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Reporting live from the breaking news desk, the newest grand champion of the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. Now that might be a jinx. We never talked about it beforehand. Never. It just always happened uh, organically before. Of course. It's it's always organic no matter what. Uh, Rod Gray, so uh, we wish you nothing but great success in Bentonville. Uh, but more importantly, uh, really appreciate you coming on tonight and kind of laying the framework for the sponsorship stuff. Again, pelletenvy.com is Rob's we- uh, Rod's website. Always appreciate it. Let's do it again sooner than later this time. Yeah, a couple of things. Yeah, I want to mention Yeti Coolers and Victorinox and the Kansas City Barbecue Store as my sponsors. And by the way, I'm maxed out. I wouldn't take a fourth sponsor. Um, you just don't spread yourself too thin. Finally, two things. Yep. Got a class in November. 11th and 12th here in Kansas City, there's only four seats left in it. So if you're thinking about it, jump on here. And here's some news just for Barbecue Central. All right. I'm going to announce a class tonight in Kalamazoo, Michigan. The Great Lakes Barbecue Association is going to bring me up there the 27th, 28th of January. So we're actually going to go on the road one time in 2017. And uh, we might be giving away free snowshoes with every entry (laughs) to get you to Kalamazoo, Michigan at the end of January. But we're going to give that a shot great venue and we're looking forward to it cool all right rod really appreciate it thanks greg thanks for having me let's do it again soon all right there he is rod gray pellet envy laying it all down when it comes to sponsorship and again look i mean it sounds like it might be rudimentary or uh you know business 101 but sometimes knowing and hearing are two different things right sure everybody knows it but can you put it into effect? Do you really want spun? Maybe you think you really want it until you just heard the interview and you're like, that's a lot of work. I get it. Not for everybody. The Chops Power Injector System is the 2015 and 2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year. They come in three different sizes, the half gallon, the one gallon, and then the Chops Full Power Injector System. That one's the electric commercial and competition Big Daddy. It's not a pickup tube. Or it is a pickup tube, not a holding tank. All the top pitmasters in the world are using the Chops Power Injector System every day to make their briskets better than the rest. It's not just for meat either. You can pump it full of alcohol into a watermelon. How about that? Come on. If you want the extra accessories, they got them. 
here's what you do. You visit the website, barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, barbecuekansascity.com. Hope. We got to get Dan on to talk about that new barbecue restaurant he's open. Everybody's opening a barbecue restaurant. Thanks again to Rod Gray. We're back to wrap up the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. If you missed the last two interview segments, you missed Rod Gray giving an in-depth seminar on how to go ahead and work at getting sponsorship for your competition barbecue team. Is it for everybody? No. Could it be for you? Maybe. If you're willing to switch barbecue for fun over to barbecue for business, something you might want to think about. As I've said Barbecue doesn't seem to be getting any less expensive or more economical. If anything, it's going the other way. It's trending the other way. All right, there we go. Rod Gray. www.pelletenvy.com, his website. All right, we'll step away. And come back with the second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. Stick around. Be right back. Hi, this is Bobby Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? We have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate for wiener. Delicious, I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Booyah! Kiddos, you found the Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We do this show live every Tuesday from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. If you want to jump in, more than happy to have you. You got a thought on Rod Gray's speak? You got a question to ask me? You got a take on something barbecue and grilling related or whatever? Who knows? 216 220 0966. 
Email greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Lots of great feedback coming in through the emails and in the instant chat room here. As, uh, boy, you know, no uh, boost to my ego rod coming on and seeing the highest uh, views online for the video and the audio to date this year. And then when Rod is off, people are like, planes going down, eject, eject, we're out of here. So bring me up, bring me down. Uh Stick around for the show. People are like Cleveland fans. Get the hell out of here, right? We're out. I can't talk. I'm out, too, for the Cleveland fan. Give me a break. Joke. Uh, speaking of Facebook pages, Rod and I touched that very briefly as he was going out. Be on the lookout, probably on my Facebook show page, I've become very inactive on my personal page. And at some point, there's going to be a culling of seismic and gargantuan proportions. So uh, if you don't know, don't friend me on my personal page. Go over to the show page, which I think is facebook.com slash the BBQ Central Radio Show, and uh, like that. And then if you need to message me, uh, both uh, like wall post or if you want to direct message me or messenger me or whatever the hell they call it, get me there because I'm not going to accept you as a friend if I don't really know you, know you, know you. You know what I mean? Do it on my Facebook wall for the show. We'll do it that way. We'll keep it impersonal that way. We're not going to keep it intimate the other way. Anyway, if you go to my Facebook page, the show page, you can be on the lookout for an on-site interview I did with Cleveland Scene Restaurant's food writer, Doug Tratner. You will recall he said in the studio about a month ago that he wrote that uh, very succulent piece about me in the Cleveland Scene magazine. Last Wednesday, we went to Woodstock Barbecue on the west side of town. I believe that's still Lakewood. I appreciate that he wanted me to actually tag along with him. Uh, More, I think, to give him the real down and dirty on where that barbecue is right now in that restaurant. Not in a snobby way. I don't think that's right. But just kind of an honest review of where the meat is and how all the other dishes stack up, especially compared to the other two stalwarts that have emerged in town, that being Mabel's Barbecue right downtown, and then uh, the proper pig smokehouse on the west side of town, which is also in Lakewood, by the way. Uh, No comparison. I'm not going to spoil the entire spot, but overall, for Woodstock Barbecue, probably not a place I'm going to tell you to run to unless you happen to be like on that block, not wanting any other of the 20 restaurants that are right there in Lakewood. I mean, Lakewood is just a bee-bopping spot with all different kinds of fare. American stuff. Asian, Indian, Vietnamese, French, you name it. They got them all times two there. So if all of those won't work and you really have a hankering for some offering of barbecue, then Woodstock might be the place you want to check out. Uh, I feel right now the place is just, it's, it's an infant barbecue place. One day it could be pretty good. The next day it could be Really bad, man. Really bad. And we experienced some of that during our time. So basically what we did 
we sat at the bar, we ordered like almost the whole menu, and we had bites and pieces, and we evaluated. And then I broke out the old portable recorder, and we did like a podcast restaurant review right there. Doug's like, we're going to do it like right here? And I was like, yeah, we're going to do it right here. Like, well, what if the bartender over here? I was like, you going to say something you don't mean? Let's go. Fire up those mics. So that's what you saw if you saw that Instagram post last Wednesday. It was like we were reporters on the scene or something like that. And to be fair, you know, Doug is not a, a critic per se. I don't know if you find any scathing evaluations. He's more of a story writer of where, you know, why the restaurant is where it is and what it's hoping to do and talk about their ins and outs and all that good stuff. So uh, prepare probably tomorrow. I'm editing that down still. So maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday. I got Meathead's podcast to put together tomorrow night as well for a Thursday release. If you have not subscribed to Meathead's Pitcast or Pit Form, it's 24 bucks for the year to join the Pit Club. Uh, test that out. I do a weekly podcast that nobody ever knows about unless you are a member of that. Plus, you know, i got a neat little form there. Quick plug for Meathead. All right, so still to come tonight, Max Good from AmazingRibs.com and Scott Roberts from ScottRobertsWeb.com, my official sauce of rub reviewer. The Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour rolled into Madison, Wisconsin this past weekend. This was a last regional final before Bentonville, Arkansas takes place this coming weekend. And the top 10 teams moving on, filling out those last 40 through 50 spots. Grand champ. J-Star Barbecue with a 698.8. Congratulations. Reserve Grand Champion. Shake and Bake Barbecue. There you go. Look at you, tallest man in barbecue. You do it. Number three, Twisted Q with a 694.7. Squeal Like a Pig was in fourth. Little Pig Town was fifth place. Habitual Smokers, sixth place. Thump and Strum Barbecue, seventh place. Oki Q, eighth. Brickhead Barbecue, ninth. And rounding out the top ten, Brewmasters Barbecue. About 15 points separated one through ten. Or 15 points separated the first position and the tenth position. And less than a point separated Reserve and Grant. So... A very hotly contested. Actually, about five points separated one through four. So in terms of you know how they vary in the points discrepancy, pretty close one overall. Very impressive. So those 10 will jaunt out to Bentonville, Arkansas, as I mentioned before. In the first hour of the 2016 Sam's Club Series comes to a close this Saturday in Bentonville, Arkansas at the National Finals. 50 teams make a run to take the overall Grand Championship this coming weekend. And, of course, I'll be angling for an interview with the winner. And as we all know, that's going to be Rod Gray. So he'll turn around and do the show again next week. It'll be great. So last week I talked with Stephen Reichlin about sous vide barbecue. I got an email from Bob. and said, hey, Greg, I caught up last week's show on a drive to Maine. Sous vide and barbecue. I got a sous vide machine for my birthday because I like to try new things, etc. Normally, I make a lot of barbecue and then food saver bag it up before it gets cold and I freeze it. I had a clunk of brisket, chunk, sorry. I had a chunk of brisket and reheated it at 170 degrees for two hours with the sous vide. It came out better than it went in. 
I'm still working on brisket, so I had obviously undercooked it. But the reheat rendered the remaining collagen, and it was so very, very good. Now I use it to reheat anything that ends up in a bag. So for that use, it's really good. Just FYI. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Bob, for writing in. I'm not going to disagree. In fact, I do the same exact thing. I refuse to limit my barbecue cooking because of how many people might eat it or not. I have a food saver bag. I cook as much as I want. And if we don't eat it all, what do I do? I go ahead and I food saver it right up. Now, I usually just use like boiling water for the food saver bag to reheat it, but I don't see an issue with using the sous vide machine other than it just taking quite a bit longer. My issue with sous vide barbecue is starting the brisket out cold with the rub and all that other stuff and then cooking it the majority of the time in the sous vide machine. Like somebody said they were cooking a pork butt for 32 hours. 32 hours. That's ridiculous. And it's not barbecue, so don't even try it. That's my argument. Bob, I have no disagreement or conjecture with what you're using your sous vide machine for at all. In fact, I do it just like you, except, uh, again, in more in a pot of like super hot water, not the sous vide machine. But if that's the way it works for you, then that's the way it works for you. I got no problem with that. I'm good with that. All right, Max Good coming up out of the break. I'm going to talk to you quickly about the pit bear. I'm sorry, about Big Papa Smokers. Big Papa's is the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue, featuring a comprehensive selection of all-American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa's has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs. Their rubs have won almost every major competition in barbecue. BPS also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two of their own unique competitions, the King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in barbecue head-to-head in a backyard, back-to-basics style competition. Not backyard, but back-to-basics. King of the Smoker is unique in the fact that contestants can't use any electric devices such as pellet cookers or pit minders. Contestants just allowed to use charcoal wood in their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. The other competition, the BPS, has started known as Guinea Pig which is a cost-controlled competition that helps bring down the cost of competitive barbecue, making it more attractive to newcomers. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, which helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the world of barbecue. But it's not a competitor or beginner's competition. Top teams from across the country take place in the guinea pig all the time. Keep in mind, Big Papa's has been able to do all of this Within only six years of being in the business, turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain called BJ's Restaurant Brewhouse, and most importantly, benefiting children's charities across the U.S. because they have created that unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Here's what you do. You head on over to their website, bigpapasmokers.com. 
Shop, shop, shop until you drop. And then you're off and running. You're going to be very happy. I love many of the Big Papa Smokers rubs. Part of my North Coast offense is very secret unless you follow me on social media, and then it's all out there. BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Max Good coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit cookingpellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well if you're looking for like a stalwart of pellet selling mania. Whatever. I don't know. Again, cookingpellets.com or amazon.com. They also have a free app you can download that alerts you to great shipping prices. So go to cookingpellets.com and download their free app. How many pellet places have their free app? Hardly any. Every fourth Tuesday of the month, the keeper of the flame of AmazingRibs.com stops by to chat about products. So who are we to prevent it this month? Nay, not me. Max Good is all around. Max, how are you, buddy? Hey, doing all right. What's happening? Not much. Just living the dream here in Cleveland. Um, We have a couple different products we're going to be talking about here tonight. Max, let me... Get your video up here and uh, looking good as always. I love the uh, the shirt. It looks really good. I'm getting a new one soon. Yeah? Oh, you're getting a new shirt? Yes. It's going to be bigger, better, and more fabulous than this. I can't hardly believe that, but I'll take your word for it. What's it is it going to be black? Or are you going to change up colors or what? It's going to have a little like tiki guy, you know, with, and it's going to say Max good under, you know, get a keeper of the flame. You know, he's, he's on fire and all that. Oh, and then on the back, in addition to many other things, it's going to have a flaming dart, flaming dart. <sighs> wow. Coming at you. All right. I like it. <laughs> uh, Max good is the keeper of the flame over at amazingribs.com. He has a substantial archive of cookers that he is, fund around with evaluated and or given ranks to and tonight we're going to be talking uh, about two or three different well we'll be talking about two and we'll kind of probably tease one and then we'll get into something that really has nothing to do with cookers <laughs> altogether uh, which we'll save for the end the first one that we wanted to talk about tonight though max is something called the red box smoker and i do have pictures of all of the grills we're going to be talking about tonight too so uh, go ahead and give me a little heads up on the red box smoker as I uh, uh, fl- act- well, okay. Sorry, I'm completely out of uh, sorts here tonight, Max. Oh. We're going to start with the art flame tonight art flame, because okay. we have either teased it or talked about it to some degree, 
and it's been uh, in Las Vegas doing food and wine shows this past weekend. It was in Cincinnati doing the Cincinnati food and wine. It had a lot of exposure here over the last three, four weeks. And uh, you have really kind of had a chance to play around with it. And it's a unique cooker, to be sure. Yeah, it, it definitely. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so tell me what you know at this point. We don't have to rate it or anything like that. But tell me about the art flame as I flash some pictures for the people that aren't familiar. Yeah, people need to see a pictures of it because it is very unusual. Yeah, I, right, right off the bat, you see what we're talking about. Uh, it's sort of in, in Europe and other some other areas of the world, they call this plancha-style cooking. It's kind of like cooking on a griddle. Uh, but I've had tremendous trouble getting that cook surface to be hot. And I've discussed this with the folks at Art Flame. Um, they tell me that I'm not alone. <laughs> Oh, there's, that's a great picture. That gives you a uh, idea of how gorgeous this thing is. I mean, it is a centerpiece and, that is worthy of conversation, to say the least. Yes, yes. There's a, a beautiful impractical quality about it as well. I mean, it's if if all you did was close your eyes and cook on it, you might say, "Well, geez, I've <laughs> I have other cookers that do so much more than this and are easier to use," but. It's there's it just is cool, you know. It's it's just compelling, and but my my problem was trying to get that cook surface hot, right. and I finally did it by um, instead of piling. They always say make a pyramid of wood, yeah, and just be generous. You see that uh, at first I thought, well, it shouldn't go above the cook surface, and then I thought that must be my problem. I, I just need to pile it up like a big cone, like a pyramid of flame coming out of there. I still had trouble. But then when I noticed mm. that the flames were working their way underneath that cook surface, I started pushing the burning wood uh, around the perimeter and boom, the temperature went up to 500 degrees. Oh. Then I finally was throwing some meats and mushrooms and stuff on it. And I didn't have friends around me. I was just doing this for myself. Uh, but I saw how enjoyable of an experience it would be. You know, picture yourself almost like a griddle fondue. You know, you have shish kebab or shrimp or veggies or, you know, any number of things that could cook on a griddle. And you're, you're with your buddies, you're with, with a family and all that, and people are just throwing this stuff on and nibbling. Now, some of my friends who have been to On My Deck and observed it, said, oh, this looks dangerous. Oh. You know, what if somebody walks up to it and leans on it or puts their drink on it? <laughs> but I could tell you, once I got it hot, you would have to be pretty goofy <laughs> to not know that the thing is hot. Uh, I imagine that can happen with certain times and places and people, but, um, yeah, but I, I, mean, I think for the most part, you, you would you would know you would be you would know that that thing is hot, and you're not gonna. Stick your elbow on it. And that's going to go for any grill, whether it's a kettle-style grill or a gas grill. It might not look like it's on. Are you just going to walk over and put your hand or elbow on a grill just because you think it might not well, be yeah, on yeah, or not? Yeah, you, you make a good point, but I also do understand it kind of looks like a table, you know? Yeah. Uh, but no. you don't, once when it is hot, uh, you don't have to get too close to it to feel that. So uh, the, the guys that make it tell me that – they haven't had any complaints about that, you know. Uh, as you point out, any hot grill or or smoker, somebody who is uh, not paying attention might get hurt. <laughs> so, with it. 
as you look down in this picture, and for the people that are just on the audio side, I apologize. You'll have to go get the video at some point so you can see what we're talking about if you know what it looks like. Here, it looks like the fire is well underneath that inner lip. It's kind of dispersed. So when you are building that initial fire, would you say that maybe having a heaping charcoal chimney of uh, coals all lit up, ready to go, spread down, and then maybe a couple sticks underneath it to keep it below that surface is, is a better way than building that bonfire then? I'm, I'm really not uh, – I don't have it down yet. I just finally had success at, at getting it hot. And I'm seasoning the thing now. Uh, you have to season it like a pretty much like a cast iron implement. Yeah. Uh, so I'm only halfway on that. And I told the guys when they sent it to me, I'm, oh, man, Greg, I got so much stuff going on right now uh, that I told them that uh, I'm going to do this on my periphery. Uh, but it is compelling. It, it, there's something about it that, that draws me to it. Um, and I do think that obviously – it is working. I can't give you the lowdown on exactly how to use it yet. I'm still learning it. Do you, I mean, is that a way you're going to try to fire it up? I mean, to me, if if you were experiencing great temperature finally after the fire was below the lip, you would probably want to, you know, maybe keep a, a small stick fire going or, or build that coal bed first and then, you know, drop some sticks out there to get those wood embers going, almost like a, an open air offset cooker to a certain degree. Hmm. Uh, I don't know that I can't quite draw that that uh, correlation to it, but uh, the guys have uh, threw out a couple different scenarios of, yeah. of uh, fire strategies. One involved putting a ring of coal underneath the cook surface mm. while you built up the wood fire in the mm. middle. Uh, I have asked them to get a little more de- definitive here. Um, and they tell me that uh, as they've had <laughs> similar complaints or questions about the, this implement, that they are in the process of making some how-to videos. But uh, the way I got it hot was I uh, built up a, a pyramid of wood um, and got it going and then pushed it underneath that cook surface and then put more into the middle to keep feeding the the perimeter, basically. Uh, and once I did that, it was hot. Um, how much is this thing? Well, it's about two thousand bucks. Yeah. So I mean, you want to if you're going to get it, you want to kind of make sure that you can use it fairly quickly with fairly low ramp up. I mean, usually the expectation is this amount of money probably shouldn't have a lot of labor involved with it, right? Uh, yeah, it, it also is very, 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 very heavy. Um, it was difficult to move around, but, uh, folks that buy stuff in this price range usually have others to help them <laughs> for things of that nature. But yes, it, it requires a little bit of skill. I get the feeling that once, uh, you understand how to achieve the temperatures you're wanting on the cook surface, that then it's, it's very simple to use. Um, now, uh, some of the folks over there have told me they've tried to push its limits and use it as a smoker. There is a center insert that uh, you can use to extend the cook surface capacity. Uh, I I don't. I, it's hard for me to believe you can do anything low and slow on it. They told oh, me right. they did okay with ribs. They tried some brisket, but even they admitted that that was a. Uh, not the greatest, uh, but I mean, it's you got to let, let it be what it is. It's a griddle, you know. It's a hot plancha cook surface, 
So it's meant for uh, cooking things hot. Now, as you get away from the center, the temperature does drop off. So you can sear towards the middle and then pull things away as they're getting done. But it's gorgeous. Look at that thing. Yeah, it's absolutely uh, a, a visual delight to take in and would be a great conversation piece on anybody's deck or back porch mm-hmm. or wherever you're going to stick it. Um, Seasoning-wise, uh, how long is that going to take? Plus, I've chatted with Denver a number of times. He's been on this show to talk about the specific mm-hmm. cooker. No cover needed. You just leave it out? I mean, that shatters the very foundations of my being, especially when- being here in Cleveland. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm in similar uh, weather conditions, right, too. Right, right. Um, I, I don't have it seasoned properly yet because I just started getting that heat. Um, they do make a stainless steel cover for the center. And I also was, of course, speaking with Denver about all of these issues. We, we recently had some very, very heavy rain. Yeah. And uh, now, did they give you one of these? Uh, well, I was going to get one and then the rain came and we couldn't Uh, end up hooking up. Well, the reason I ask is that if you look in the bowl, there are only two holes in it. Yeah. And that makes you, gives you a variety of questions. What happens with the ash? What happens when it rains? It rained like crazy (laughs) uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And the next day I woke up and saw a, a discoloration a couple inches deep at the bottom of the that uh, rectangular stand. And I went, now what could that be? It looks like water's collecting there. Does water uh, seep through this metal? Hmm, let me go out there and check it out. Sure enough, I tilted the thing, which is a little bit of a feat, although (laughs) the keeper of the flame can handle it. Keeper of the flame equals keeper (laughs) of the muscles too, right? No doubt. Yeah, right here, pretty much. But uh, then, of course, uh, I was right. All this ash-laden rainwater came pouring out all over oh. my deck. Uh, so one does have to be cognizant of that as well. But they do they did give me a stainless steel um, piece that goes over the center for when it's snowing or heavy rain of that nature, you know. Um, it's it's a it's an impractical device in many ways, but so appealing in other ways that um, yeah, I, I and I'm just scratching the surface of it, so I don't want to say too much more about it. All right, so uh, we'll move on from there. That's the art flame. Uh, at some point, I'll be getting one, too, and we're going to be cooking on it like crazy uh, as soon as I can figure out when to. Actually, I might be calling Denver now that he's freed up. We might try and do it over the next couple of weeks because my uh, daughter's softball schedule is a little down here over the next few <laughs> weeks, so that's good. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is the Red Box Smoker. We can talk about that one now. Talk to me about that. Okay, this one I have worked with quite a bit. All right. uh, it has a great history to it. Um, it is based on, whoa, where are we? Yeah. Is it NASA the, or something? Yeah, here? we're in the newsroom here. I'm trying to get to oh, the right. Uh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Sorry oh, about that. Well, that's not the red box. That's the orange box. There's the red box. And that's uh, out on my front patio testing it. Um, you can see I have a, 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 a Omega a thermocoupler there, a four-channel device. Uh, testing the three levels, three it has three racks in it. It's very little. It's a little guy. You see those handles on it? One person could pick it up wow. and walk around with it. Um, you can see that it has two front doors. That uh, The whole thing is insulated with about an inch of insulation. Uh, and the two front doors have uh, braided insulation around to further seal it off. 
Uh, the, there is a damper at the bottom. The lower door is your, your access to the charcoal tray. And the upper door is uh, your access to the three cooking surfaces. What kind of um, – I, mean, I mean, it looks really small. It's pretty small. So what kind of capacity in fact, do you have? It has very limited capacity, oh, right. and that is uh, further uh, impacted by the fact that um, if you if you use the water pan, which comes with it and sits right above the charcoal tray at the bottom, uh, you're going to have hot top rack, medium middle rack, and <laughs> a little bit cooler lower rack at yeah. the bottom. Now, if you're doing chicken or something where you want to cook a little hotter – uh, than just a 225 smoke range or in that range, you don't even use the water pan. Um, the the interior uh, produces extremely moist meats, even without the water pan. Let's talk a little more about the history, too. Yep. This was uh, originally – it's it's a backwoods smoker, cabinet smoker, charcoal cabinet smoker. Backwoods, of course, are famous – I don't think I've ever gone to a, a competition where I didn't see any Backwoods cabinet smokers, the larger ones. But Backwoods actually used to sell something in this size that wasn't quite as um, uh, refined in its construction and design, if you will. Maybe that's not a good way of saying it, but it didn't have as much insulation. It, it didn't have the – you see those those uh, – uh, handles that they're clamping handles. They kind of like clamp down yep. uh, on on both doors. It didn't have the the big handles on the side. Uh, they called it the patio smoker. And Mark Lambert, the famous competition cook, yep. and barbecue grill master, uh, took this under his wing somehow and kind of redesigned it, goosed it up. Took it to China for the manufacturing to bring the price down. Uh, it's very well made. I, you know, I don't want to get into this Chinese thing, but it's it's very <laughs> well made. This thing appears to me like it's going to last quite a while. Uh, another asset for it is that it is very well insulated. So somebody that's in a uh, cooking in in an area where uh, it's cold <laughs> and they have problems holding temperatures. This could be something you'd like to do. The downside, and I've talked to Mark Lambert about this, uh, is one, as you know, Greg, you may recall, one of the things I always do is I, I cook chicken wings to check out evenness. Yeah. I uh, felt like it, that might not have as much of an impact on this one, but hey, I do it anyway. It's part of my habit. And I said, geez, I'm not getting any crispy skin on this. And Mark said, well, you know what? Do a spatchcock chicken. It, it's small. You know, if you're going to do a, if you're going to use all three racks, you got to rotate them, and that's true in even the larger models. Uh, but this one, I, I think it's it's a little more so true. But he said, take out that water pan if you want to. You know, use chicken and just you get get it a higher heat, cook in a higher cooking range. The water pan is going to keep it down more into a low slow smoking range. Uh, so I took out the water pan, I grilled my chicken, spatchcock the thing, put it at the top. Still, no good skin, hmm. extremely moist meat, cooked beautifully, extremely moist. Uh, he, he says, okay, do, I said, I'm going to do, do more chicken wings. Start them at the top, then bring them at the bottom and, and um, you know, crisp up the skin. I, I still couldn't get a crispy. Now, 
I we know who he is. He's telling me this can be done, and I gotta believe it. You know, he's telling me the competition guys are buying these because, you know, they're about four hundred bucks, uh, and he says that competition teams are buying a couple of them and setting one up for this and one up for that yep. and using them like these little dedicated cooking devices. And they love the insulated environment. They love the moisture. Now, you know, I'm no Mark Lambert. You know, I cook on a lot of different stuff, but I don't have his credentials. Um, I, I, I'm i sure that with some effort, I could get this to crisp up skin. <laughs> but it was a little frustrating, and um, that's my uh, complaint about it. Now, another interesting feature is that uh, this burns charcoal – it's so clean. I can't hardly believe it. I like some smoke flavor. Uh, and I didn't use a, I, I didn't just start the smoke, you know, with ashed over coal. I, uh, for slow, low and slow, I used one of Mark's methods, which is very easy to do, where you put a half a tray of unlit coal and dump uh, half a chimney of lit coal on top of it. So there was unlit coal igniting and causing, creating smoke, but man, I didn't taste hardly any smoke. And then I threw wood in on subsequent tests and it was still a very, very light smoke. Mm. So that's good in the, in the fact that it, it burns very clean, yeah. but uh, be forewarned, you might want to throw a lot of wood in it. All right. So you can get that at ssomd.com slash red dash box dash smoker for about 400 bucks or so. And, of course, uh, time has evaporated. We're out of uh, time for the segment. So, oh. Max has got to come back next month. And we'll talk about uh, maybe a, a little follow-up on the Art Flame, if you've done that. Uh, maybe the American Muscle Grill oh, a little bit. back. Yeah. And oh, maybe we'll talk about the Bahamas Meathead in Paradise situation, but only oh. if we get through the equipment first, because that's you know paramount to our segment each and every month. All right, my brother. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, Max, and we'll see you at AmazingRibs.com. Always my pleasure. All right. There he is. Max Good. Look at this guy. Keeper of the Flame, uh, the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website out there in the uh, inner space webs, the interwebs space. Perfect. All right. I'm going to talk to you about Pit Barrel Cooker. We all know the winner of the contest last week. If you're pulling a trigger on a new smoker, it can be nerve-wracking, right? Temperature control, fire management, what woods to use and buy. Who needs the hassle? I strongly suggest a pit barrel cooker. The pit barrel cooker makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile cooker on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that turns out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork, shoulder, and ribs while also being able to ramp up temperature to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. The versatility is all thanks to a revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection called the hook-and-hang method. It's like a stationary rotisserie providing great-tasting, perfectly cooked meats each and every time. The pit barrel is a fabulous cooking vessel. It's aesthetically sexy. It's built to withstand heat and weather thanks to its porcelain enamel finish. It can fit in the back of most vans, trucks, and SUVs. It's ready to go wherever you are. They got all the accessories. The uh, removable ash pan, pit grips, turkey hangers, all that good stuff. And the best part is it's $299, and that includes free shipping. What? 
Don't take my word for it. Everybody's raving about it, including Max Good and Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. Now, let me talk to you about the new stuff. They've gotten away from the old shaker bottles and five-pound bags. What you see in front of you now are the new non-letting-in-of-light bags, right? You got a five-ounce bag. You got two-and-a-half-pound bags. Some people don't like the fact that you got to ramp up from like a four-and-a-half or a five-ounce option to a five-pound option. They want something in between. They listen to their customers, and they've decided that they'll go with the two-and-a-half-pound. That's the bigger one that you see right there. Same flavors, all the same recipes, all that great stuff. But now you get a little more for the money. You have a smaller, bigger option in the two-and-a-half-pound bag. And so easy to stack, right? You don't have to worry about taking space in the spice rack anymore. These things will lay down and stack wherever you want to put them. And again, no light getting let in, so the freshness stays. You can get them over at pitbarrelcooker.com where you can also talk to real human beings. 502-228-1222. Did I mention, and I'll do it quickly, that there's this third-party rating system called Trustpilot.com. 97% 97% in love rate. Okay? 97% of over 700 customers rate them with five stars. That means they're totally in love with the cooker. Don't believe me? Go to trustpilot.com slash review slash pitbarrelcooker.com. See the results for yourself. 97% of people are in love. Pitbarrelcooker.com. All right, Scott Roberts, back after this. Stick around. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, welcome back. This segment of the show being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made in the USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker-lytic hinges, barbecue accessories, rocket-hot chimney grillers, heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. The fine products from Unknown Smoker Accessories keep your gear where it needs to be, at arm's length, ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today. That's unknownbbq.com slash shop today. And use promo code REMPY for 10% off your entire... Wait, it's 15% off now, I think it is. R-E-M-P-E. REMPY for 15% off your entire order. All right. Thanks to Jason Whitcomb and the good folks over at Unknown Smoker Accessories. Uh, My guest helping me close the show tonight, and while we are a little late, uh, don't worry, we'll get all the time in needed for rubs and sauces, reviews, and all that good stuff, is none other than the fiery foods expert himself and the patented, official, dedicated Barbecue Central Show, (laughs) Barbecue Central Sauce, Barbecue Central Show rub and sauce reviewer, Scott Roberts, joining me here on the show. Scott, how are you, buddy? Doing great. How are you doing, Greg? Uh, Absolutely fabulous, Scott. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. And uh, we do have a list of stuff that we're going to get to tonight. But hold on a second here, Scott. Let's go okay. ahead and do something 
a little fun. This is something we don't usually get to do, and I'm going to put this right up in front. Actually, I'm going to make my own separate screen here. We've talked, uh, and any number of occasions, Scott, when you've said, when I'm like, hey, what's the... What's the big deal out there right now in regards to peppers and what happens to you when a person decides they want to eat it and all this stuff? Well, it just so happens we have visual <laughs> of what happens when two probably girls that would get me arrested decide to eat the world's hottest pepper. And for your listening and watching enjoyment, what Scott has dictated to us many times, you will now see with your very eyes. And today we're going to be eating the Carolina Reaper pepper. These are the world's hottest pepper. Now, Scott, let me break in. Is that mm-hmm. is it still the world's hottest pepper? It still is, yes. All right, so uh, Although people are trying to breed them and make hybrids to make hotter and hotter ones, but yeah, this still holds the record. What they're about to do is radically insane, correct? I would not advise any well i would not advise anyone to do it at all so what they're doing is pure stupidity pure stupidity um it probably goes without saying that while the bras are the coolest thing on these girls the brains are probably lacking i would yes whatever whatever we can do for attention on the youtubes we're going to do it at any and all costs so here they go I mean, the girl in the gray bra is bouncing up and down because it's like she almost got a half of a sniper shot in the gut or something. It's fabulous. <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. Some people will see this as entertainment. Others are like, oh, come on. Let's just uh, chili peppers are food. But, uh, yeah, I think in this case, you can see why this particular video got so many views oh i mean it's it's absolutely (laughs) of course it froze up for me so we're not going to be able to see the rest of it but in the end what happens is these girls that girl with the brown hair is like trapped in bed and her mom's like oh this is terrible and we're never gonna do it seems like a horrible ordeal to a lot of people Uh, when i do something like that yeah i will get stomach cramping probably 10 to 15 minutes after i chew it up you know, my mouth, my throat, they're still kind of on fire. The the, the burn is going away a little bit. Uh, but as I've said many times on your show, uh, an hour, 90 minutes into oh. it, uh, you're going to start to feel it come out the other end. Yeah. You start getting that burn. And you're, and you're an expert. You're well-versed in the hot stuff. I mean, these two broads are just throwing that stuff in their mouth like it's a bomb pop. And uh, literally, it's exploding into their mouths to the tune of them screaming and yelling because they can't mutter anything else other than just the very primitive sounds of, like, screaming for death. It's not a pretty sight. No, it's, it's, it's so nice to have validation on the things that you have said for years and years on this show to be seen by the masses. Uh, so anyway, I'll post that up on my uh, uh, I'll post that YouTube video on my page at some point during the end of the show. Uh, nevertheless, yep. here we are. We are back for another review of sauces and rubs. We have three products to choose from and review tonight. And the first one is the Backyard Barbecue Club Rub-A-Dub-Dub. So let me uh, get your title up here. Yes. There you go. Uh, very simple rub here that I had uh, gotten in the mail and kind of see in the back. It's a nice... Big pouch here, one pound, uh, made by Backyard BBQ Rub. It's a store website. 
And this particular rub, I don't know what they're trying to aim for, but it is very sweet, a very simplistic type of flavor profile. Uh, it, it is by no means bad in any way. I could taste sugar, uh, some paprika, and cumin in it, and really little of anything else. Uh, this would go good on chicken or pork. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. As a matter of fact, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, but if you know, if you're looking just for something simpler, I know a lot of barbecuers will look for uh, salt and pepper, kind of very simplistic type of taste. Uh, others they will look for more complex things thrown in there. This is not that at all. Um, if you're looking for saltiness, if you're looking for just a world of herbs and spices, you're going to have to kind of mix in other things with it. But this, as it is. And it's a very simplistic form. It's not too bad. All right. Where can you get it? Uh, how much is it and how much do you get of it? Okay. It's a rather long URL, the Backyard BBQ Club. Let me go ahead and read it here. It is backyard-bbq-club.myshopify.com. So I will, Greg and I could throw up the links if you're listening to this on you know podcast form or whatever. Um, it, the one pound bag, it's actually a very good value for 10 bucks plus shipping. And uh, of course, I say value, it's kind of a relative term. It's not the greatest thing I've ever tasted on a scale of one to five. I would probably give it a backyard griller. Oh, all right. So uh, we're not over the moon for rub a dub dub, but uh, certainly not. A rib boiler by any stretch. Uh, the yep. next one. So it's respectable. Yeah, respectable. So not too bad there. Certainly. Uh, Trader Joe's organic sriracha and roasted garlic barbecue sauce. So let's hit on the most important part of this whole title. How yes. do we say the word sriracha? Because I hear it sriracha, and I hear it when people really want to take it over the top, like when uh, Americans want to say Italian words in that Italian accent, like Giada <laughs> di Laurentiis. So I hear... You know, sriracha, I hear sriracha, I hear sriracha. What's the proper way to say it? I heard it from the horse's mouth, right. from David Tran, owner of uh, Haifong Foods. He says uh -huh. sriracha. Sriracha, like sriracha. Yeah. Sriracha, so that first R is kind of silent. All right, very good. Now we know how to say it, and I can start correcting people on the show at will. Looking forward to that, I might add, because I know some okay. people that say sriracha. Yeah, also correct him on the mispronunciation of Chipotle, too. That drives me nuts. What is it? <laughs> At Chipotle. Oh. Some people say Chipotle, which is like, oh, come on. I thought it was Chip I thought it was really Chipotle. Nope. Chipotle. No. All right. It's the L-E at the end. But Chipotle. anyway, we're not playing grammar tonight. We're mm, uh, Maybe we are. So, so anyway, uh, this sauce is Trader Joe's Organic Sriracha. The bottle got a little wet here. And roasted garlic BBQ sauce. Of course, sriracha is the big thing in the hot sauce world nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll find it everywhere. Uh, I could not really taste any sriracha in this. That uh -oh. doesn't mean that it's not hot. It's plenty hot. But it has a very strong ketchupy and oniony type flavor to it. As a matter of fact, it's really good as a sweet barbecue sauce. It, it's got that uh, garlicky, oniony kind of complexity. On the front end, some sweet on the back end, and it's really, really good, and it goes well with a number of things. Uh, but if you're looking for something that's like sriracha sauce, that strong, really pungent 
type of uh, hit a pepper on the front end, uh, you're just not going to find it with this. I don't know how much sriracha was kind of used. I know a lot of food manufacturers, they can kind of get away with using certain things. They can claim that you know, such and such pepper is in this product, but it you know, may be less than 1%. Uh, but anyway, just as a product, I would have to say that it, it does remarkably well. Um, would you say that it, instead of the uh, sriracha, that it's more of a sandball situation? It's not even sandball. No, it is, uh-huh. uh, for all I know, it could just have, you know, um, as a matter of fact, I didn't see what kind of chili peppers were in here. Uh, it could just have like a generic red jalapeno, which are, is in sriracha sauce along with garlic, and just kind of add those to a regular sweet ketchup barbecue sauce, and boom, there you have it. There's nothing sriracha-like uh, that sticks out. It's You're not going to taste it and think, oh, this is just like the rooster sauce. Gotcha. All right, so where can you get it, how much is it, and how much are you getting of it? Okay, you can find it, I assume, at just about any Trader Joe's location uh, nationwide. Uh, their website is TraderJoe's.com. A bargain at two ninety nine for a 19.5-ounce bottle. And you got to pay shipping, too? Uh, on the website, you'd have to pay shipping. But if there's a Trader Joe's location nearby, just go by there, pick it up. Great, great deal. And uh, as far as my rating go, this would have to be a top 10 call. Oh, wow. All right. So... Uh, Trader Joe's, in your opinion, uh, very quickly, uh, kind of the devil or good store? Good store. I am completely not into the natural, organic, non-GMO stuff. But to, to me, that's all bull crap. Uh, but they do have some really unique food items, and I like to go in there every now and then just kind of see what they have. All right, last item up is the Born to Hula Imperial Apple Barbecue Sauce. So anything that has apple in it, I'm very interested in. Uh, because I like apple, but I don't like fake, and I know you don't like fake, but I don't think I would like uh, apple saucy texture. So what do we know? Uh, technically, this is not really an apple-y type uh, flavor or ingredients. Uh, this actually uses, and I'm going to read it here, the Berenstain apple liqueur oh. from Germany. So everything's kind of, you know, German theme, a German look, you know, the font. Uh, uh, it, it does not have an apple flavor to it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a little skeptical whenever somebody adds, you know, apples or peach or something like that to a barbecue sauce. Uh, they better do it pretty damn well to impress me. Otherwise, they could easily ruin it. But this, it's just it, it, not a generic fruit flavor, but it, it adds a little bit of uh, sweetness you can kind of tell it's fruity, uh, but it does not dominate. And this one is actually very similar to the uh, Trader Joe's sriracha barbecue sauce that I just reviewed. It does have that kind of uh, dominant garlicky, oniony type flavor, a really rich sweetness on the back end, but this has more smokiness to it. It's an all-around good balanced sauce that is good on just about everything. All right. Uh, where do you get it? How much is it? How much do you get of it? Okay. You can find it at borntohula.com. Who is a it? 12-ounce bottle. And you can find it for six ninety nine plus shipping. All right. A little pricey, but I would have to say it's worth it for the rating I'm going to give it. All right. What's the rating? It's also going to be a top 10 call. All right. So... In terms of the evening, on balance, uh, two top ten calls, which, you know, uh, doesn't always happen here on the show. Uh, What we have been lacking recently 
is a uh, a grand champion. Yeah, yeah. No, we haven't seen any one of those in weeks and months. It's definitely been months. Yeah, I've been kind definitely. of looking out for the great new barbecue flavor enhancer of 2016. I just haven't found it. And just for the listeners, uh, I've been kind of emailing Greg back and forth trying to get a comprehensive list of all the products I've ever rated on his show, elsewhere. And I'm trying to really compile a list of everything that I've ever reviewed before. And I want this to be massive, comprehensive. And I was just kind of looking at it, and I was thinking, yeah, there just haven't been just that really incredible, superb product from this year that's jumped out from the barbecue world. Hot sauce world, there have been a few things this year. Uh, but barbecue, nah, it's been good, respectable, but nothing great. All right. Well, uh, I am working on that list, and it's Honestly, it's going to be a lot of audio links because, you know, I wasn't very uh, fortuitous in the beginning of copying the links or your sheets that you give me for sauce to kind of lead the conversation and then putting them in the post show notes, which I've started doing, but, you know, well more the uh, the former than the latter, unfortunately. But uh, we'll get that done for you so you have that uh, complete list to scatter out to everybody. Backyard Barbecue Club, Rub-A-Dub-Dub, Trader Joe's Organic Sriracha and Roasted Garlic Barbecue Sauce, and Born to Hula Imperial Apple Barbecue Sauce will be in the show notes uh, when the show posts at 11.55 tonight. Scott, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you, Greg. You got it. There he is. Scott Roberts from scottrobertsweb.com. That guy's a pro. Can you imagine the list just from the show? That we're going to have when we actually get that all compiled. Plus, there's probably a whole bunch of other stuff that he does that has nothing to do with me. I know, believe it or not. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Butcher's Barbecue. Holy moly, folks. If you haven't been over to Butcher's Barbecue in a while, you're missing out. That's the bottom line. You go to ButcherBBQ.com, that's ButcherBBQ.com, and get the ball rolling. We all know Butcher is well-known for the injections. The pork, the beef, the prime injection, the bird boosters. That prime injection has combined all things loved from their beef injection. Using its award-winning flavor enhancer, its ability to keep your brisket juicy. They've combined it with what has become the competition standard in beef flavor. Available for sale right now at ButcherBBQ.com. Now, if you're looking for the go-to rubs... They got them. They got the new rubs, the pecan, the chipotle, chipotle, whatever Scott told me to say. I forgot what Scott said. Uh, the cherry rub, and of course the uh, private seasoning blend. We broke out the me and the neighbor Desmond broke out the uh, butcher's private. We broke out butcher's privates, and it was tasty. It was. There was definitely some sweet notes, but also kind of a savory situation. We were both very impressed with it. We did it on chicken wings together. We cooked together. That's what friends do. Then you have the tried and true, the honey rub, the steak and brisket rub. You're going to love them all. Just get them all and love them all. You have the grilling oils, which I continue to use awesomely and oftenly. The butter flavor, my favorite, of course. It's pretty much become one of the staples in the pantry. It carries well out to the uh, grill because, of course, as we had talked to David before, it's shelf-stable. You don't need to have refrigeration, so it's always out there. It's front of the eyes. You can use it all the time. I make...
plain pasta noodles for my youngest daughter to take for lunch, and instead of putting butter in there, I take some grilling oil, squeeze it down in the top, it coats everything. I can use a lot less of it. It gets every single noodle, drop a little salt in there, boom, she's off and running. She hasn't said peep in the, you know, it tastes bad type of, tastes good, tastes good, tastes great, okay. Last but not least, the sweet barbecue sauce. I think we all agree I'm as picky as it gets when it comes to barbecue sauce when it's not mine. Butcher's wins in every category for me. Not overly sweet, a nice slice of tang, the right amount of back-end heat, no liquid smoke to be seen or tasted. It's real simple to do. You get a box of six, you'll be very happy. It's going to go quickly, believe me. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We're back to wrap right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, let's uh, go ahead and wrap this up quickly. Seconds to get away. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Rod Gray from Pellet Envy. Okay, let's go ahead and knock that back. In-depth on sponsorship. So if you missed it, you just came in the second hour, you can go back and get the podcast. That's going to be available in about uh, an hour from now. And then, of course, for perpetuity, lots of great information shared there. In the second hour, we talked with Max Good from AmazingRibs.com, talked about the Art Flame, talked about the Red Box Smoker, teased the American Muscle Grill, which we might get next month, and then we closed it out with Scott Roberts. The Backyard Barbecue Club, Rub-A-Dub-Dub, Trader Joe's Organic Sriracha, Roasted Garlic Barbecue Sauce, and the Born to Hula Imperial Apple Barbecue Sauce, all reviewed, will be in the show notes as well. Hopefully, we get the Sam's Club winner next Tuesday. If you're going to be competing there, good luck to you. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.